It was recently discovered that Michael Steinhardt, an NYU trustee, has a long history of sexual harassment allegations against him. As a result of this news, NYU's Steinhardt School could soon be getting a new name. Reporter Kate Hines has the story. For the rundown on WNYU 89.1 FM, I'm Kate Hines. In late March of this year, it was announced that Michael Steinhardt, a well-known billionaire and the man that NYU Steinhardt School is named after, has a multitude of sexual harassment allegations against him. Steinhardt, a philanthropist who co-founded the nonprofit Birthright Israel, reportedly has a long history of inappropriate comments toward female colleagues. Seven women have come forward with stories detailing the crude and sexually-natured comments he has made to them, along with unprovoked sexual advances. The dean of Steinhardt, Dominic Brewer, sent a mass email to Steinhardt faculty and students announcing that there will be an investigation of Michael Steinhardt's interactions with NYU students, faculty, and staff. On April 1st, the Steinhardt undergraduate student government met to discuss what actions should be taken regarding this news. Isaac Caballero, Steinhardt USG president, stated in an email that the USG has four main prerogatives as of now renaming the school to NYU School of Culture, Education, and Human Development, utilizing the acronym of our existing title, CEHD, reaching out to alumni for potential partnerships and to match the donation of the Steinhardt Foundation, and requesting formal statements from Steinhardt administration denouncing Michael Steinhardt and his actions. I spoke to Steinhardt studio art major Will Staubach about his thoughts on the issue. Um, I feel like we should obviously change it, and there's no way we can continue to stand by this man. And at least until everything is certain and decided, we should probably not continue using his name. And I am very against using the initials because I think it's super boring. Since we're the school of culture, we're going to really use initials. I would like to petition to change the name to the Purple Circle School at NYU. It's fun. It's purple. I think it would be great. Steinhardt student Cole Masticciola, a vocal performance major, also gave his opinions on the controversy at hand. Yeah, I think that there's no real reason to keep the name. I mean, the guy just donated a lot of money to the school. It's not like he was really a notable alum or anything like that. I feel that we should definitely go the route of, like, naming it after someone who's done something uh, and came from our school rather than some billionaire perv. It was recently announced that Steinhardt USG members will be meeting with the school's Dean of Student Affairs and a special subcommittee to discuss further actions in the coming weeks. Hannah Turtle, a cello performance major at Steinhardt, offered some possible ideas if the school should ultimately be renamed. Like, I don't think that, especially if they do more investigation and they find like whatever they're going to find, I'm sure that they are. I don't think that it should be continued to call be called Steinhardt just because the school has such a focus on like social activism and I think that's a priority for a lot of the students here and faculty and like the school culture um, and I think that to like rename the school there are a lot of incredible like alumni of Steinhardt that would be a great name for the school, like Dorothy Height, or maybe like Judy Bloom graduated from Steinhardt, like maybe a woman. That would be cool to name after. The Steinhardt undergraduate student government did not respond when asked to comment on this issue. As a Steinhardt student myself, the amount of change being enacted in our school is a lot to process, 
We now have an interim dean, Pamela Morris, seeing as our current dean, Dominic Brewer, has recently announced that he will be stepping down from his position at the end of this summer. And soon enough, we may even have a brand new school name. For the rundown on WNYU 89.1 FM, I'm Kate Hines. On Monday nights from 11.30pm to 1am, WNYU is taken over by Jack Rice. To give us the inside scoop about his show, Goo Goo Muck, he stepped into the studio with reporter Coral Wombelmiesner. My name is Jack Rise. My show is Gugumuk on 89.1 FM, WNYU. I am a senior. It's my last semester. Woot woot. Uh, my major is film slash television. That's what it says in my degree, but mostly just film. And I minor in ethnomusicology. At the core of it, the show is a rock and roll, like 1950s, early 60s rock and roll show with a lot of rockabilly, country music. We dabble into a little bit of psychedelic and garage music. And then the revival of that genre, which happened in the late 70s, early 80s, and continues into today. So mainly like rockabilly, rock and roll, doo-wop, country, the punk revival. We go into punk a lot as well. But it goes all over the place. We sometimes get into synth pop with like bands like Suicide. I'm very liberal with what is labeled rock and roll on the show. Are you are you using the royal we, or is there someone else involved? As the dude would say, it's the royal we. Occasionally, we'll have some guest DJ. Um, yeah, I'm using it. I don't know why I keep. I never noticed I use the royal we. Thanks for pointing that out now. <laughs> but the the show is a is a being in itself. So I'm referring to it as a plur- It's a it's a community of myself and myself. But we have some we, we um I have some DJs on the show occasionally, and sometimes uh some friends will come on and chill out. But it's usually usually myself what's your elevator pitch to get someone to listen to the show my elevator pitch is that it's basically everything but elvis from the 50s the elevator pitch i would give for this is like it's the music that falls off the shelves in the record the 45 rpm records that fall off the record shelf and are like half shattered thrown on and some of the most grimy corny slimy stuff just thrown on there and stuff like that the mustier the better that's the way i look at it if we're going even more simpler it's just like the show is basically multiple soundtracks to unmade john waters movies that's the way i want to look at it like pink flamingos five or something like that those are two solid elevator pitches either or depending on who depending on who the pitchy is depending on who's in the elevator yeah depending on who's the elevator so how do you continually find new stuff? I have a large uh, personal lexicon of different artists and artists related to them and stuff like that. So a lot of crate digging at record stores as well from names that I'm familiar with. Spotify is actually a really good tool as well. I try to find really obscure or weird playlists on there. There's a lot of um, really good novelty record compilations. A really good label that um, I draw a lot from is a record, Norton Records, which used to be based out in Brooklyn, but I believe they moved out to the Midwest since then. But the um, owner of that label is Miriam Lina, who I've been in contact with multiple times, and she was the first drummer of the Cramps. For two semesters, I worked at the uh, Archive of Contemporary Music, which is the largest music collection not owned by the state in the country, which is stationed like down in like Chinatown. I worked as an archivist research intern there, so a lot of records, like I was getting old 78 RPM records that aren't even like on iTunes, Spotify, or any, there's like no digital copies of them, so we would archive them and put them online, and so I'd find a lot of things I'd never heard of before there. 
Billie Eilish is taking the music world by storm with her newest album, When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go?, already reaching near the top of Billboard's top 200 albums. To get a review, we had reporter Harrison Choi take a listen. On March 29, 2019, Billie Eilish released her highly anticipated album, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? That same night, on March 29, 2019, I was probably asleep, because unlike many, I had never really checked out the 17-year-old indie pop star. I mean, all I pretty much knew was that she was on an episode of Hot Ones with Sean Evans, and for the longest time, I was thoroughly convinced that her last name was Eyelash, not Eilish. So, to say the least, I was pleasantly surprised to hear such an innovative album from someone who I knew from a Hot Chicken Wing interview show. What do I mean by innovative? Well, to start things off, Eilish challenges the norms of popular music with her experimental use of vocal effects, samples, and styles. Yet as experimental as it is by today's standards, Eilish's 14-track experience is special in its ability to really highlight her versatile voice. In an abstract sense, Eilish's voice is soft, not gravelly, but floaty, not abrasive, but still articulate. Now normally a soft voice is great, in that voices like Eilish's really draw listeners in with their ability to come off as sensual and subtle without being so flashy. But with increased popularity with bedroom pop singers like Claro, the Marias, and others, these soft voices could be kind of lost in this fray of the oversaturated genre. However, Eilish is able to make her soft vocals stand out by blending in some really great vocal effects. There's Eilish's bop bad guy, where her wispy voice gets bended to take on a more raw and radical texture. I'm the bad guy. Duh. Then, right after that, in the track Zanny, you could hear the same kind of crunchy effect. Or even here, as that same crackly distorted sound happens on Eilish's track, All the Good Girls Go to Hell. Now normally, I'm not the biggest fan of throwing effects over voices, but in a weird but effective way, Eilish has kind of made that sound we get from singing in front of a fan sound really cool and new. No, Billy, I haven't done that dance since my wife died. There's a whole crowd of people out there who need to learn how to do the scar. Even stranger but equally effective are these kind of quirky samples that Eilish uses, as tracks like My Strange Addiction sample from the TV show The Office, while the track I Love You samples out of all things the audio from a flight safety instructional video. Yet at the same time, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? is far more than just a sandbox for Eilish to be experimental, as the album highlights Eilish's talent to create a vast array of really tasteful music. Tracks like You Should See Me in a Crown, Bury a Friend, and Wish You Were Gay displays Eilish's awareness and ability to create modern hip-hop EDM fusion that's pretty popular today, while Listen Before I Go, My Strange Addiction, and I Love You allows Eilish's sensitivity towards gospels and ballads to really come through. 
Just to get an idea of how multi-genre this album is, first take a listen to You Should See Me In A Crown. You should see me in a crown. I'm gonna run this nothing to Watch me make them bow. So after listening to that, you would probably call that pretty clubby and pretty heavy. But now take a listen to Listen Before I Go. Super different to say the least, right? I mean, that's part of the beauty of this album. There's 14 tracks, but each one serves a purpose, as they paint a different side and strength to Eilish. There's 17-year-old Eilish that can be heard through the opening sounds of the album, then there's edgy Eilish that takes pleasure in being a bad guy, then there's angelic Eilish that sings these gorgeous ballads and the list goes on and on and on. But there's no doubt that a lot of thought went into creating this audio portrait of Eilish. Now, to end things off, I mean, the album is technically a question, right? Because when we all fall asleep, where do we go? And to answer you quite frankly, even after listening to the album in the shower, in between classes, and yes, even when I was trying to fall asleep, I don't really have a concrete answer. Maybe we become a bad guy, or maybe we sing with a fan in front of our face, I don't really know. But what I do know is that this is a really, really good album. Even if you don't like popular music or never heard of Billie Eilish, you'll probably find something that you like, even if it turns out to be a sample from The Office. Oh.